Hi guys, this is Michael and I am here with Prince. Today we'll be discussing the fourth episode of the final season of Game of Thrones, The Last of the Starks. The Last of the Starks. Yeah. With the last Starks. Yeah, so this is, <laughs> this is coming off what was arguably like the biggest episode of Game of Thrones ever. And so it was always a question of how were they ever going to top what they showed us last week with yeah. the battle against the Night King. And they did. Yeah, because in my opinion, in my honest opinion, I actually think this is my best Game of Thrones episode in, in the past two seasons. This episode left me with mixed feelings at the end. I was mm -hmm. angry, I was surprised, I was shocked. I was like, what the hell? I was, yeah, <laughs> I was like, you know, looking forward to the next one already. And yeah. It was a very well-rounded episode. Like It was the first time that it felt the same feeling you had during those early seasons of Game of Thrones. Like that feeling of like not knowing what will happen next. next. Like that looking sense forward of to the surprise. Next one. Precisely. Plus it ended with a, I won't call it a cliffhanger, but really right now we're all pumped for that final battle. Because all along now we've been asking that how could they ever top the battle with the army of the undead. Now it's very clear that the battle at Winterfell is going to be nothing compared to the battle that's going to happen at exactly. King's Landing. Now this battle is actually the final battle, like the last war. Like Danny said, we've won the Great War. It's now time to win the last war. For the winter is coming, winter is coming. We'll be having all, you know, the moments leading up to this season. Mm -hmm. we, we think the battle against the Night King will be the highest tempo of exactly. the season. Like, Surprisingly, it's the, it's the battle against Queen mm -hmm. Cersei. The battle for the Iron Throne itself. Okay, so all through the episode now, we had like a lot of like moments that really stood out. So we'll just go over them one by one now. The episode pretty much opened with the aftermath of the Battle of Winterfell, which was like the funeral for all the lost heroes. So and during this funeral, John gave a very rousing eulogy. Yeah. What were your overall thoughts about his speech and his ability to I mean, he said it give all. such a speech? They were the shields that guarded the realms of men. Mm -hmm. and that speech was so powerful. Yeah. In my head, I was thinking this guy has to be very good to have memorized this entire mm -hmm. speech and give it with that kind of authority. Yeah. And he already felt he he sounded and felt like a king. And the way people like subsequently, the way people look at him and you know, you know the, way, the way people were drawn to him. Mm -hmm. Showed that he had assumed that he was a charismatic, he was a charismatic leader. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like the way he could project and everything. And exactly. the, the fact that everything felt so heartfelt. Like he didn't feel like he was just saying some words just for formality. He actually felt like he actually meant all those words. So he really, he really sold it. Yeah, like he, he, sold, he, sold, he sold that scene. He really it was, sold it. It was awesome. Because the scene itself was very emotional. Seeing all the characters like saying goodbye to the dead. So in a way, it kind of felt like a reverse of the first two episodes this season where there was like this um, sense of reunion like people coming together for the first time in a long time yeah. and now this was like people saying goodbye so even like going beyond the funeral itself where they had like the celebration feast you could see like a lot of characters were like saying their last goodbyes saying their last goodbyes yeah so that, that was very that wait was... Is, it, is it just me or is there something weird about the way John didn't even part the ghost yeah, like, before uh, going that, off that was actually on characteristic of him <laughs> yes at the very least there should I mean, be like a proper goodbye yes because I, I was actually afraid in the beginning that ghost died in the battle and yeah, then to see for, ghost again yeah at uh, when he was giving the speech i was really happy that ghost was alive mm -hmm. and you know and at least one like, last part on the back and call him a good boy mm -hmm. <laughs> before he goes off and it to was King's like Landing. very little acknowledgement and he just said you have to take ghost like she belongs in the north and that was just that so but all, all the same all the same we understand that this is like the end of the show so obviously like everything is winding down and these goodbyes need to happen because it's quite obvious that we might not get to see a character like Tormund again. 
this could actually be the last time we actually see someone so that's true it's part of the story is probably done so they just had to take that time to give them their proper goodbyes the next point we are touching on is the hookup between Brian and Jamie because this was like a hookup that had been teased all the way since but wait, um, did the you, adventure did, did you see two. did you see it coming that she was a virgin uh <laughs> yeah i won't lie like i i saw that one coming actually like she struck me like somebody that had like honor and duty as like her main driving ideologies now so i, I wasn't surprised by that review but wh what did you think about the whole like scene itself was it too fan servicey uh, or? i think i think Tyrion played the role of a good wingman Okay. He knew what he wanted to achieve with all those questions and all and the game. Tyrion had his setup. Tyrion mm. had his setup with the whole drinking game thing. Mm. He, he knew he was going to go in that direction. Okay, and when so he you think the whole thing was when, planned? Yeah, I think it was planned by Tyrion. Okay. It was Tyrion's move to get Jamie and Brienne closer together. together. Okay. Yeah. And wine does a lot. Tyrion Tyrion knows that. Okay. That, that was an interesting <laughs> angle. I never actually saw it that way. Tyrion knows that. that so yeah, for, for me, I felt it was um, a bit on the nose, like this is like a couple that uh, people have been rooting for, like fans, so it kind of felt fan service like I said, for me. So, but at the end of the day, it was still something that we're happy to see, like the fact that their relationship could evolve to that point. Yeah. to that point and it really, for the first time, I actually felt convinced that Jamie actually had feelings for Brianne, because you know, he came all the way back from um, King's, Landing. King's Landing just to come and fight with Brianna, like yeah. he said now, like just to fight under her command and everything. So this kind of like cemented the whole thing and brought it to a nice conclusion. Okay, so up next we had Gendry popping the question and proposing to Arya. <laughs> this was right after he was named the Lord of Stones End. So so it's one of it's one of two things. It's either uh, Gendry is is unbelievably in love or he's, in, or he's incredibly stupid because okay. i don't know who who proposes marriage after a one night stand i mean yeah true though, true though. <laughs> like it felt so sudden it felt so sudden so but overall what did you think about aya's response was it like in character or was was very much in character because uh, right from the very beginning from season one mm -hmm. when ned stark was always trying to train aya to you know, to be more ladylike like Sansa. Yeah. Arya said it, she's not a lady. A lady yeah. She's never going to be like Sansa. She's yeah. not interested in, in sewing and making clothes and trying mm. to look pr pretty in dresses. She yeah, wants to true. fight. She wants to learn how to fight and she's yeah. not going to be ladylike. And that's not the first time she's making that statement. So it's, yeah. it was not out of character, definitely. Yeah, I actually echo your sentiments because like you said now, like from the very beginning, she has always had that like tomboyish like nature. Yeah. Like always trying to like prove her words beyond what you expect from a woman, no? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, while, while her sister, you know, aspired to be liked by Prince Jeffrey at the time, yeah, she didn't give she didn't give a shit about all that. She was just about learning to be strong and you know be more like the boys. Yeah. yeah. So what one aspect I actually liked about the whole development though was the fact that she actually decided to ride off with the hound at the end of um, everything. So what, what were your thoughts about the? Uh, you know, you know, like, she has reunion. she has a list. And yeah. her driving force um, ever since what happened in King's Landing happened well, has been her list. Her list, yeah, yeah. So now that, you know, the battle at uh, Winterfell is done, mm -hmm. you know, she's not one to move with the crowd. And mm. her list, the next thing on her mind is to keep on to, going on like, her list. Yeah, get and, to every, the and everybody on that list is at King's Landing. So yeah, it was just logical for her to start moving to King's Landing on her own. And it was pure coincidence that the hand, the was, hand was also going, going that at, way at that time too. But okay. seeing that, you know, they've met and they're going to merge forces yeah. going to King's Landing. 
I think it's it's a good one for us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually like they, they, they feel like the force, the force on the inside to help Danny and John Snow mm, from the outside. From the outside during the battle to come. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Because one of the bits I actually enjoyed the most in the whole show was season three when Aya and the Hound had their whole march when they were trying to get to the Ville. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I really loved like the dynamic between the two of them and the fact that the Hound was so instrumental in developing Aya's character. That was very nice to see and the fact that we're getting them back together, they're going to have another shared experience again. So it would be nice to see. Well, something else crossed my mind. What do you think about uh, what um, Sansa said when um, the Hound told her if she had left King's Landing with him, all that wouldn't have happened, that being Ramsey Bolton and yeah. Littlefinger. Yeah, so basically he was just saying that like if she had taken him up on the offer he made now, that she wouldn't have had to go through like all the trauma with Ramsey and Littlefinger. But like she said now, like those are like the key events. Experiences that shaped her. Exactly, that define who she is today. But, but for one second there, if for someone that didn't know the backstory of what she went through, yeah, it almost felt like she was glorifying what she went through. That yeah. she'd wish it happened tomorrow again so that she can be stronger. Uh, if she were to come back, you know, Sansa again. again, she would rather go that route and become stronger. Okay, for me, I think it's more like she's owning the person she is today. Like, she went through all this, but at the same time, she became this strong woman at the end of it. So that's like her taking ownership of, okay, this is who I am. And I'm actually not, not necessarily happy, but I'm actually like um, stronger as a result okay. of all these things that happened. Okay, so one major like moment in the episode was when the Stark siblings had their little meeting in the Godswood. So basically, this was when John revealed to Aya and what's her name, Sansa, that he actually had a very strong claim to the throne. So my question now is, do you feel, especially when you consider everything Daenerys asked for, do you feel he actually made the right move or was it a very selfish like move he made? So John is not being entirely honest. He says he doesn't want the throne, but uh -huh. him telling his sisters means yeah. he clearly wants the throne, but he doesn't want to be the one to say it. Okay. Now, because if he doesn't want the throne, the best thing to do is to dead the entire matter. Just you cannot say anything him, about yeah, it. Yeah, you know, leaving with the secret and not telling anybody about it. But the fact that he has told two people, Bran knows three people. Yeah. Daenerys knows four people yeah. and there's always a tendency for it to slip up the more yeah. people you the tell, people you tell yeah. so for the fact that he's letting the number of people that know the secret increase it yeah. means a little part of him wants that throne for himself yeah. even though he's not he doesn't want to admit it openly but okay. yeah him mainly he said it he mainly told Bran to tell that like nah that your... nigga you want this throne okay for me I can still believe that he doesn't want the throne but it came across to me as um, a bit selfish on his part because he knew that obviously there was no good that could come out of this. Yes. Like there's obviously no good that could come out from telling your siblings that okay, like I actually have a claim to this throne. Yeah, because once once that information goes out and things yeah. begin to spiral, mm -hmm. it is out of his control. Yeah, people, once people, people want, want him to, to be king, the there's nothing he can do about it again once that needs yeah. out there. So, so for the fact that he let it out means he, you know, really a part of him wants the throne. Yeah, and, and I felt um, he did it primarily just to clear his own conscience. And when you, especially when you consider the fact that this was a secret that Ned Stark had to keep all his life, even up to like his death, he had to keep this secret just to keep John alive. Because if anybody found out now, they would have probably killed him as a baby. So, and the fact that he couldn't even respect that secret enough to keep it away from his sisters. 
So for me, I just felt that he just did it. He was thinking about himself when he was doing it. Exactly. He wasn't thinking about the greater good. Yeah. So I, but, think, I think now he's trying to cash in on the heritage. So, <laughs> so, so it's always a good move because I think you make a better king. Yeah. Way better king. It's be interesting to see how everything like comes together at the end of the day, sure. Okay, then there was the scene where we had Braun and what's his name? Tyrion and Jamie. Like, <laughs> I, was, this, I was not even surprised. <laughs> yeah, this was a scene that they already like let us know that this was coming. Like yeah. from the moment that Kaibon gave him that assignment to hunt down the two brothers. So you said you were not surprised. You are not yeah, surprised. Braun, that... Braun, Braun has always been a sell sword. He's always yeah. going For the to the man that's yeah. that's gonna pay him more. So yeah. That has been his character from day one, from the first time we met him. Mm. The only reason he fought for Tyrion at the Vale was mm -hmm. because he knows that this guy is a Lannister mm. and Lannisters always pay their debts. Yeah, <laughs> that true. was the only reason. So he's after the money. So I was not surprised that he's going to try and meet them and try to get himself a better deal. Because yeah. I, was, I was actually thinking about it now. In the entire Seven Kingdoms, these great houses, how are they formed? Mm. He understands how they are formed, and he's yeah, trying when to. He gave the, uh, yes, exactly. History, so he's trying yeah. to make a line for himself because mm. he knows it was the cutthroat in the beginning that yeah, make more now, money for their for their houses, and you know, and yeah. enslave people, yeah. and they become great. So he's trying to like make his own family name. Okay, okay. I think you more or less echo my sentiments here. So yeah, true, very true. So then there was um, the big moment after Jamie found out that Cersei was in a position of some imminent trouble and he made a decision to leave Brienne and return to King's Landing. So what, what were your like first thoughts about about his decision here? Uh, I, I think that that particular scene, they made it, they intentionally made it unclear what his intentions are because, because if you look at it, if you look at it very objectively, mm. it does look like he's going there to go and protect her. Mm -hmm. And he also, the things he said after also looks like he's, he's mad at her and he's trying to for redeem everything he's gone through. Yeah, exactly, because he mm. said, I have killed XXX for her. Yeah. So it, sound, it sounds like he regrets it and he's trying to be a better person. Mm. But him saying he never runs from a fight. Uh, it's not clear if it's the fight against Cersei or the fight Cersei is bringing. Mm. So I think until we, until we see him actually act out, before we can know sure exactly what his intentions are. But his going there means he may not come back alive. And that's mm. why Brienne is heartbroken. Because mm. she knows the battle there is going to be fierce. Yeah. And they've been through enough already. A one-handed man will not do much there. Mm. Okay, for me, Sha, I just felt that it kind of like proves the depth of, not necessarily love for Cersei now, the depth of his addiction. I think that was the word the showrunner has used, like his addiction to Cersei. Like this is somebody that he had done all these things for. He pushed on, what's his name, Bran out Bran. of the window, killed his own cousin. Like he almost killed everybody in River Run just to get back to Cersei at a point. So after going through all this, like it's actually very difficult for you to just stop having feelings for that person that made you like do all these things like yeah. love the way i see love love is a very powerful force it's not like a gas stove that you can just turn off when you want to so obviously even though he left to be with brian for a while like that undying love was still deep inside him and i felt that was what came out the moment he heard cersei was in a bit of trouble or was potentially going to be in, in a bit of trouble because obviously after what happened with okay. what happened with the ambush and everything now, like the next course of action for Daenerys would be to retaliate yeah, and just with full force. Flame King's Landing. Yeah, so that, that was what he envisioned. Like that was exactly what he envisioned. And even what's her name? Sansa made a comment that she wished she would have been there to see when, when Cersei, Cersei was burn. executed. But obviously it's not going to get to that point. It's like she's going to be killed like <laughs> as soon as possible. So that that was kind of what drove him. Drove him to make that decision. You could see he was like staying up at night and 
So basically, basically, Sha, I just feel that, like you said, we won't actually know. At the end of the day, he might actually end up being the one to kill um, Cersei. But we won't actually know until everything plays out in the next two episodes to come. Okay, so I actually think the biggest moments this episode, like the most shocking moments, was when Euron and his fleet ambushed yeah. Danny on their way back that to ambush Dragonstone. Was, nobody saw it coming. Exactly. And like, the last experience they had with Kaibon's crossbows, mm. they didn't think, you know, uh, they didn't think they would have developed a a stronger version of that weapon and now they have a stronger more efficient version of that weapon yeah, it's bigger and they, had, well. and they have more now so there's yeah. lots of large spears flying in the air at the dragons mm -hmm. they, they really went all out obviously like you could see you could see the facts that they've been hard at work all the while the people at winterfell was preparing for the now all their, fights with all the their ship have scorpions yeah the, the walls, the walls have scorpions. scorpions crazy so it was clear that that was where their focus had been so and at, at that particular scene, the way they came out from nowhere and just took out Rhaegar, like Rhaegar was dead and in a matter seeing, of seconds. Seeing that dragon fall from the sky to the ocean yeah. was really heartbreaking. And the cries, mm -hmm. it's, it, it only goes to show how angry Danny's going to be. And yeah, going into I'm just, af I'm just afraid episode. her anger might not let her make a logical decision and she might just go head, forehead first and, you know, meet, yeah. she might meet the same fate as Rhaegar. Yeah, so that was actually Cersei's plan all along now to play with her like state of mind to that point that she won't be able to make a rational, logical decision when she needs to. Yeah. So that that one on its own would affect how she's going to like approach the final battle that is about to come now. So yeah, all all that was planned and Cersei actually knew what she was doing by making that ambush and everything. So at the very end now, like the last key moments now where Miss Sandy was captured and executed in front of everyone like that that was like the final blow like that was like the final blow and you could tell that everybody was hit by that blow yeah yeah because and, and, and when they asked me Sandy to say her last words and she said Dracarys okay so I'm like okay you've done it for yourself <laughs> so my, my question now is what, what do you feel what's your interpretation of those last words like saying Dracarys we, we know that it means um dragon fire yeah so but what was her intention it means she knows that in her mind, she, she she believes that whatever happens now, there's going to be dragon fire on King's Landing. Hmm. So, whether you kill me or you don't kill me, we're going to take this place and, you know, there's going to be Dracarys all over the place. Hmm. Okay, so basically, I like saying it's more like a death sentence for everybody in King's Landing. Yeah. Like, she's like giving Daenerys that... And, and, and you know, like, um, Tyrion is making the battle hard for Danny. Okay, why I, don't, I don't see why the people of King's Landing are so precious to them. Mm. It's the same people that, you know, that screamed shame when Cersei walked down uh, the streets naked. Yeah. When the when the scepter the scepter, you know, disgraced her. Yeah. It's the same people that cheered when Ned Stark got beheaded. Mm. Like I don't I don't see why these people are so important. I mean uh. they can they can take King's Landing <laughs> intentionally without flaming women and children. They can just go okay. and flame the palace. So I don't see why they're trying to make the battle hard for themselves by saying, okay, let's try and let's try and um, let's try and lay a siege and starve them. No, that's mm. not going to happen. She's mm. going to come out and you know use her strong arrows to defeat everybody and looking at their forces man that scene was so intimidating yeah. like they, they basically have a handful of fighters against the golden company they're uh, obviously not a match and i know you maybe you might bring up that john's army exactly, is coming like that was but the, they are still not enough 
yeah, it's compared true, to yeah. what she already has, you know, in King's Landing. Because mm, the Golden Company, twenty thousand yeah. men, who, which are like twenty thousand freshmen, like they, exactly. they didn't and, just fight the white workers. And, and, and these guys are tired from a yeah. war. So definitely, Sha, I think the odds are more evened up now. Because after everything, actually after losing a second dragon, like it's quite clear now that it could swing either way. Because before we all thought that Daenerys would just come and like sweep place, through King's Landing and just go to the throne room and take the throne. But now it's quite clear that like Cersei has a very strong plan. And the fact that they are using like people, like the people of King's Landing as a shield, shield. effectively using them as a shield just to like see the extents to which um, she Danny is going would, to go. Yeah, Danny would go to try and claim her throne. So it, it also shows how evil Cersei. I mean, Cersei yeah, exactly. is a big nah, bad bitch. She has already established uh, <laughs> the depths of her evilness when she blew up the sept of Balor. Now, <laughs> so at this point, we, we we clearly know that she's ready to kill anyone just to retain her throne. And she's the kind of woman that if she can't have that throne, nobody can. Nobody. Yeah, she, she rather like everything burns down to the ground, like rather than give the throne up or anything like that so all but, of our, of our at, at this point uh, i was hoping Tyrion would be able to get across to her with the argument he tried to make about her love for her kids mm. her love for her children okay and joining this to the statement she made earlier when she told euron you know they've changed the story to look like the baby in her belly is euron's and not jamie's yeah so that is a story that will go out that's why when she said it you yeah. only gave a, a, a knowing nod to Kaibon and Kaibon smiled. So it looked like yeah. they had, you know, agreed to that would be okay. like, agreed for this to be for this to be the story going forward. So okay. so they can say this guy is a legitimate prince. It's not a part of the, the the relationship between Jamie and, and Cersei. Yeah. And now Tyrion bringing up that son was not able to, you know, even let Sweet. her see reason. Yeah. She still went ahead to infuriate Danny the more. Mm. Yeah, because that's what she's trying to do. She's trying to make Danny attack. She wants yeah. Danny to attack. Yeah, that's the only way she's going to. Yeah. yeah, like she needs an opportunity to use those arrows. Mm. She needs that dragon to go in the air to mm. try and attack them, so mm. they can shoot all the arrows at it and kill it. And when it, when when you bring the fights to the ground, man yeah. for man, they are going to beat them. Mm. Cersei has it. So now I was I was going to make predictions for the next episode, but okay. but <laughs> no, no, like, go ahead now, historically like, all our predictions for Game of Thrones, no one has happened. It's just like uh, the writer just said, okay, you guys are taking this direction. Okay, we're going to go the yeah, entirely I, different direction. I like, think that's what Game of Thrones is known <laughs> for now, like subverting our expectations now. Yeah, like even when you look at the earlier seasons, like all the major character deaths ned stark rob stark even kathleen stark like those are like character deaths that you didn't see coming a mile away so, uh, so that's what game of thrones is known for and actually even like had a discussion this morning now and we're just talking about the fact that recently we've not really had major deaths the way we used to have in the beginning of the show now and even when you look at it that way it's even another way of subverting our expectations because now we've all come to expect that these guys will die. These guys will die. And they are not dying. <laughs> so it kind of feels like this is them again telling us that you think you know what will happen. No. So, so now, you, so you, now, you think Brian will die in the Battle of Winterfell. Exactly. No. So, so now, can... now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, okay, the way everything is shaping up, this yeah. next episode, John is going to come up and they're going to have a plan and there's going to be Arya and the Hound on the inside yeah. and somehow they'll destabilize all the weapons and these guys will attack and yeah. Daniel will win. But hey, I can bet money now that that's not the way it's going to go. Uh -huh. <laughs> because I know that that is what everybody wants to happen. Exactly. And that's exactly what they will not do. 
Okay, okay. For me, Sha, I see like the entire like conflict. That's the conflict between Danny and Cersei. I see it's wrapping up next episode. Then maybe for the final episode, we could get a bit of like a time jump to now show because they still need that time to like show the repercussions of everything. They can't just end with Danny sitting on the Iron Throne or John or even Cersei. Yeah. Like we need like an idea of what see, happens afterwards. Yeah, how you know how it how it how it ends. Yeah, so I have a feeling that the final episode, episode six, would be more of that. So we're going to have a big battle. They will not have like an aftermath to that big battle. So either way, Sha, it'll be to be very fun to see. And I think the fact that we're just down to two episodes, like it's, it's like mind-boggling to think that everything is about to wrap up. So to be interested to see how we actually how we actually wrap up. Everything. Looking forward to it. It's just four days away. I mean, I can't wait for Monday to be here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> now you look at the huge. Game of Thrones has made Mondays more bearable. Mm. <laughs> yeah, because Monday is usually the day you think about work, the work week yeah. starts. Yeah, but now because of this, you have something to look forward to. So it's it's nice. Yeah, like they've really they've really like gone all out to make this something special. Okay, so that's basically all the points we had to like touch on today. So Prince, once again, when you're not here talking Game of Thrones, where can people find you online? Oh, I'm tweeting stuff straight out of my mind on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Chuka. Yeah. Okay, and I am Michael, and next week we'll be here for the next episode, and hopefully our minds will be blown because <laughs> <laughs> everybody's like primed for this next episode. So hopefully it delivers and. We have a lot to to actually talk about. Bye for now and catch you next time.